we've been talking about um, who the star of Christmas is, not any of the other technical parts, but actually who the star of Christmas is. There's a variety of Christmas characters that we always meet this time of year, and culturally, it's very easy to become confused on who's the main character, who's the star, what's, what's the point, what's it all about, what's the purpose. And, uh, and this morning, we want to talk again about who is the real star of Christmas. Now, when I say that, because you're at church, you say Jesus. You're going to say Jesus, right? Of course, I'm going to say Jesus. If I were to ask you who the real star of Christmas was, because you're at church or you're watching online, you would say, you know, Jesus. But knowing the right answer and knowing why the answer's right is not the same thing. Knowing what you're supposed to say when someone asks you and, and having a deep belief inside and lifestyle practice is not the same thing. So this morning I want to talk again about why is Jesus the star of Christmas. Now, we talked about Buddy the Elf and the Grinch and Santa's the most recognizable uh, character culturally probably all around the world of uh, Christmas. Now, I want to be real clear about something uh, as we start. I'm not here to pick on Santa Claus, okay? I, I'm, not here to, I'm not here to, you know, kick old Santa to the curb. The jolly old guy is a good guy, and, uh, you know, we've been in our family uh, celebrating that tradition for a long time. But I do want you to know a little bit more about who the stars are that we celebrate and why Jesus is the real star. So the, the Santa Claus, the person we know as Santa Claus is uh, basically the story started about 200 years uh, after Jesus was born. There was a man named Nicholas who was born to a Christian family in a Greek city on the Mediterranean coast at the time that Christians were suffering great persecution under the Roman Empire. Nicholas, as a teenager and a young adult, he spent a lot of his time providing food and help to, um, to people who were poor and, and needed it, uh, specifically to children whose parents had been imprisoned by the Roman Empire uh, because they were Christian. He became uh, the leading pastor in his city, and Nicholas himself spent time in prison uh, until the Roman emperor died, and then he was released. And he dedicated his life to ministering to the poor to the needy, especially to children, year-round. And when he died, the Catholic Church commemorated his life by declaring December 6th the Feast of St. Nicholas. Now, what you probably already know is the Catholic Church also declared December 25th as the Feast of Christ. And on that day, there was a special mass, anybody know where I'm going? Called Christ. Mass, right. And so that's where we get the name Christmas. Now, what you might not know is for centuries, the church celebrated Christmas or Christ Mass from December 6th to December 25th, from the Feast of Nicholas to the Feast of Christ. And do you know what they did during that time? They gave gifts and practical help to the poor that entire season, and that was the way they celebrated Christmas. That's a long way from Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Wouldn't you agree? Well, that's how it all started. Now, as um, that tradition began to spread around Europe and around the Christian world, and in Scandinavia, there was a tradition of a goat with a long white beard who was red. 
And that's where Santa Claus got his white beard and his red outfit, and then that kind of caught on. Now, as you move into the 20th century, once Coca-Cola got a hold to it, you know, and a few others, they expanded the franchise. And then it became reindeer and sleighs and elves and the North Pole. And he was this jolly guy that brought candy and toys and Coca-Cola, you know, of course, to children. And then a little while later, he got supernatural powers. He could travel the whole world in one night, and he could keep tabs on every child on earth 365 days of the year. I wonder what the, what the original St. Nicholas would think about all that. I don't know. Now, I'm not trying to throw shade at Santa, okay? I already told you that. But it does sound a little bit too familiar to me. It sounds like we've kind of morphed this figure into our own image. We've kind of morphed this character into our own character rather than into God's character. And I want to show you what I mean by that. Everybody knows the principle. If you're good, you get presents. If you're bad, you get a box of coal. I've never met anybody that got that, but you're supposed to get a lump of coal in your stocking, and that's a way to shame you for the bad things that you've done, so maybe next year you'll do better and you know, you'll get good presents. And you're watched all year long, and what we're looking for when we're watching you is, do your good works outweigh your bad works? Because if your bad works outweigh your good works, then you're going to get you know, a box of sticks. But if your good works outweigh your bad works, you will get some presents that you, you, know, you really wanted, that you actually wanted. And so that's kind of a works-based philosophy. Um, now, let's, let's talk for a minute about Jesus, okay? Jesus was born into a society with a big book of laws and rules. And he was born into a culture that kind of had a similar understanding that if you followed the laws and the rules, you were good, you were righteous. If you didn't follow them, you were bad. If you did follow them, you would be blessed. If you didn't follow them, you would be cursed. So the good people lived under God's favor who followed all the rules. By the way, the book just continued to expand through time, too. The rules got longer and longer, uh, kind of like government, religious government. If you were bad, watch this, if you didn't follow the rules and the laws, you suffered judgment. And what would that judgment look like? It would look like uh, you suffered disease, barrenness, poverty. So if, if you weren't behaving, that's what would happen to you. Now, this philosophy was so deeply ingrained that even Jesus' disciples asked him a question from that worldview. There was a man that was born blind, and when the disciples saw him, and right before Jesus healed him, they didn't know what was going to happen, they asked him a very important question. John chapter 9, verse 2, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? In other words, whose fault is this? Who didn't follow the rules? Who didn't do more good works than bad works? Who didn't behave? Why, was it him or his parents? By the, by the way, I guess they would think that if your parents sinned enough, you could be born blind. Can you imagine? Now, their understanding was is that righteous people were spared from that kind of suffering. And if you suffered, you must have sinned or your parents must have sinned 
And maybe we don't know what the sin is yet. Well, isn't that, isn't that a, 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 a tidy and neat little way to categorize and label everybody? If you suffer, it must be your fault. You deserve it. If, you're, if you don't suffer, if you've done well in life, you must be righteous. What a, what, a, what a neat and clean little way to label everybody. But Jesus, when he came to earth, he hit that thinking like a bull in a glass house. He came right at it. He spent long days healing people. He spent time with poor people. He spent time with rejected people. He spent time with sinners. He reached out and fellowship with religious leaders. He spent time with rich people. He spent time with everybody. So this morning, I want to give you three reasons that Jesus is the real star of Christmas. The first one is this. Jesus loved everybody without favoritism. Listen to this, poor, diseased, uneducated, wealthy, educated, healthy, rejected, favored, with faith, without faith, Jews, Samaritans, Gentiles, he loved them all. And a matter of fact, Jesus got in more trouble for this, I think, than anything else. Because he would not reject the people that the custom said he ought to reject. Can you imagine that's his biggest sin, that's his biggest fault, that's his biggest problem, is he wouldn't reject the right people? I don't know if you know it or not, that's kind of how groups work, right? I mean, I mean that's, how, that's how most groups work. Groups have codes. And the code that holds most groups together is who we're not going to let in. Because if you don't have people that you can't let in, then you don't have a group. You just have everybody. So you go to any uh, uh, elementary school, and I can tell you the most important kid on the entire playground, the most important kid on the playground is the awkward kid, the unathletic kid, the unattractive kid, the overweight kid, the whatever, the outsider. And then what the kids will do on the playground is they'll form a little group, but they won't let that kid in. And that's the most important kid on the playground is if you take that kid away, we don't have a group. We have nobody to reject. Now, you may say, man, that's terrible. Yeah, it is terrible. But you know what? Adults do it. We just do it in ways that are more sophisticated. We find more sophisticated ways to exclude and stiff arm and hold at a distance and let certain ones in and not let other ones in. Do you know what the church's greatest gift to the world is? It's the only group on earth that welcomes everyone in from every part of the world, from every race, from every background, from, from low to high, to poor to rich, to educated to uneducated, everyone. When the, cease, when the church ceases to operate that way, the church ceases to be the church. Because the church is like Jesus, loves without favoritism. Jesus loved people. He didn't love protocol. Jesus loved people. He didn't love perfection. He loved people. He didn't love performance or pretend. He's the star of Christmas because he loved without favoritism. He's also the star of Christmas because Jesus came to save, not to condemn. Many of us have heard the verse John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. But John 3.17 is equally as powerful and really helps explain why Jesus is the star of Christmas in a, in a different way. John 3, 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, 
but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus didn't come to Bethlehem to release judgment on the world. Isn't that good news? He came to release grace onto the world and healing onto the world and forgiveness onto the world and salvation onto the world. Cultural religion says this, kind of says something like this. And, and by the way, most major religions of the world say the same thing. Culture and most major religions say the same thing. Christianity is the thing that's different here. It basically goes like this. People are fundamentally good. And if people can be properly motivated through rewards or punishment or both, people become better people and can do a lot of good. That's kind of the philosophy of most religions, and it's the philosophy of the world. But that's not what Jesus came to teach. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that humanity is lost and broken and separated from God and utterly hopeless without a Savior. See, there's never going to be enough medicine. There's never going to be enough technology. There's never going to be enough money or education or psychology or reform or justice to fix humanity. You and I are completely helpless to do anything about the condition of our soul. We can change the window dressing. We can find some coping mechanisms. We can find some skills to rearrange things on the outside a little bit. We can improve the, the status of our life a little but we can't fix what's wrong with our soul. We can't fix what's broken about us. And the further we go along in time, the more examples we see. We see people with almost unlimited power, almost unlimited money, almost unlimited fame. And what happens? One after another after another, they keep flying their lives into a brick wall. Why? Because we don't have the ability to fix what's most wrong with us. And that's that our soul is broken. Our soul is broken. So it's not a promise of a reward or a fear of a punishment that we need. What we need is a God who's big enough to deal with our own sin. And not just the sins we commit, but the sins that we're capable of committing, even if we don't. The sins that we're bent toward, even if we don't commit them. One of the um, most beloved songs in modern history is a song you know really, really well. It's the song Amazing Grace, right? Everybody knows the song Amazing Grace. I bet you didn't know that that song was written by a man who used to be the captain of a slave ship. John Newton was a captain of a slave ship, and he was responsible for transporting humans, people, treating them like property from one place to another and mobilizing them. He was part of the slave supply chain. And John Newton, through a, a beautiful story, he, he came to know Jesus Christ as his Savior in a powerful, powerful way. And he gave it up. He left it. It changed his life. It changed what he did. And he became one of the loudest advocates standing against slavery. But he wrote the song, 
amazing grace. And here's what I want you to see. Even though his sin was some of the worst imaginable, God didn't reject him. God didn't say, now you're going to have to spend your life doing enough good things to overcome the bad things because you did a lot of bad things. God didn't reject him. God accepted him and redeemed him. And near the end of his life, here's what John Newton wrote. He said, although my memory is fading, I remember two things very clearly. I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great Savior. Jesus is the real star of Christmas because no matter what you've done or no matter what I've done or no matter what we're capable of doing that we didn't do, he didn't come to condemn. He came to redeem. He came to save. He came to set free. And here's the last one. Jesus came to freely give. Everybody knows, you know, what um, the phrase free gift means. It's, it's uh, consumer speak. It's marketing speak. It means, hey, you know, sign up for this for a free gift or come be a part of this for a free gift or, you know, we'll give you this free gift. And what it really means is we're going to use this free gift to bait you into buying more stuff than this gift was worth anyway, right? Everybody's got that, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I remember uh, many years ago we were doing an outreach from our church and we went to this real busy street corner where uh, crossroads where cars would just constantly go both directions and we stood there on the street corner we had these shirts that said something something free I don't remember and our job that day was to try to just bless our city we don't want anything from you we want to bless you and so we stood there and we handed out free bottles of water and I don't remember something else. And we just stood and waved. And you'd be amazed. I've been in that street corner, you know, a thousand times. And you'd be amazed how that congested, busy street corner, how people would smile and it brightened their day and it kind of affected the atmosphere there. But it kind of messed some people up. Because I remember, uh, and it was hot, you know, we were in South Mississippi and it was hot. And I remember we gave this one lady a bottle of water and, and she said, How much? And we said, nothing. Fried her brain. Fried that poor woman's brain. She said, yeah, 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 but what do you want? To bless you. No, no, no. What do you want? That's it. And she said, well, here, let me just give you something. No, no, we're, we're, we're not taking anything. We don't want anything. And she said, you have to take something. I said, no, no, we just take it and be blessed. Have a great day. God loves you. And as she pulled away... She rolled the car window up to about an inch and she forced money out the window like this. And then vroom, drove away real quick so I couldn't put it back in. She couldn't handle it. Could not handle it. You know, when you live in this world long enough, it's hard to believe that anybody wants to give you anything Let's, let's go a little deeper where it really is. It's hard to believe that anybody really has your best interest at heart. But Jesus does. When Jesus was dying on the cross, he hung between two other men who were being crucified for their sins, for their crimes, their criminals. And one of the 
guys next to him said, when you go into your kingdom, remember me. And here's, here's what Jesus said in Luke 23. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you today, you'll be with me in paradise. Now that's remarkable for several reasons. One is it's remarkable because that man had no opportunity to prove himself. He didn't have enough time to do enough good works to outweigh his bad works. And in Jesus' eyes, he didn't need to. You know why? Because we don't need a better system for digging ourselves out of a hole. We need a better Savior who can give grace and forgiveness. And that's what Jesus did. He came and he gave it freely. Freely. I think that's what makes the story of the woman who was caught in adultery so profound. You might remember, or you might have heard this story. She was caught in adultery, and she was surrounded by these religious leaders who were going to stone her to death. And Jesus basically said to them, they were trying to trap him, and uh, they were trying to trick him, like, what are we going to do with this woman? And they were thinking they would catch him in a wrong answer. And he flipped it back on them, of course, and he said... Um, Whichever one of you guys has never sinned, you throw the rock first. <laughs> and they just kind of drop the rocks. I love what it says in that story. The older guys left first. I think they, they got it. The younger ones were still like, wait a minute, we got, there's an angle here. The young guy's like, he, he, he got us, he won. And then he looked at the woman and he said, where, where did the people go that were going to condemn you? By, by law, by custom, she should have been stoned to death. She deserved it by the custom of that day. But Jesus said, we're your people that condemn you. They don't condemn you anymore. And he said, neither do I. Now go and sin no more. Jesus wanted to freely give her the gift of forgiveness. Not only did he save her life physically, more importantly, he saved her life eternally if she'd receive it. And he said... I didn't, I'm not like these other men. I didn't come to get something from you. I came to give you something. Now go away from this life and live a life of grace and freedom. Would you stand with me this morning? If you'd just um, close your eyes for a minute, I want to pray. If you're online, we're going to sing a beautiful song. And during this song, if you just feel prompted for prayer, our prayer team is has been online all service and is now waiting for you and if you need prayer I want you to just jump over in the comment section at any point in this song and I want you to just type in whatever your prayer request or need is and you'll have someone that will meet you there and agree with you and pray with you we're going to sing this song that you know called The Blessing and um, I love this song because it states so clearly how how God came into the world as Jesus Christ to bless and to give favor. God has a plan to bless your life. Doesn't mean everything will go perfect. Doesn't mean everything will go the way you want it to go. But God is a good God and He has a plan to bless your life. And so this morning, would you just lift your uh, heart up for a moment and let's pray. Lord, as we sing this song, I pray that your spirit would be moving across this room and across the internet and you would be moving and blessing and softening hearts and preparing us to receive the grace and the hope 
and the life and forgiveness you came to give. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's sing this song together.